Welcome to What Healthy Couples Know That You Don't, a podcast dedicated to helping you create the relationship you truly want. And now, here's your host, licensed psychotherapist, Rhoda Mills Summer. Welcome, Emotionally Focused Therapy for Couples. What's it all about? Episode 51. Dr. Sue Johnson is a best-selling author of Hold Me Tight, a clinical psychologist, distinguished research professor, and a recognized innovator who has changed the field of couples therapy. Her newest book is Love Sense, the revolutionary new science of romantic relationships. I'm so tickled to have you on my show because I've been following you, and I'm grateful my audience will get the information directly from the creator of Emotionally Focused Therapy. I believe your work is really valuable and one of the most important improvements for couples therapy. Thanks so much for joining me today, Dr. Sue. You are most welcome. It's fun to be here. I thought I'd begin by asking you, what do you believe EFT offers couples that other therapies don't? Or what makes it special? Um, Well, I think that's pretty simple. First of all, most couples therapies are, are not based on any research. They don't have any research showing they work. And they're not based on any clear understanding, researched understanding of what love is all about. So EFT is based on the hundreds and hundreds, thousands at this point of studies on human attachment. It basically gives us a way of understanding love, why love matters so much to people, how it goes wrong, how to put it right. So we understand the drama that a couple are caught in. And this is huge. And it means that we can be on target. We can go straight to the heart of the matter and change the things that really need changing. We can change the music in a relationship, which is the emotions that are playing out and controlling the dance. And we can change the way people dance in a particular way, in a way that leads to what we know people need and long for and what creates a good lasting relationship, which is a safe, loving, emotional connection. So we know where we're going. We know the territory we're in. We understand how couples get stuck. Uh, And this gives us a, I mean, this changes everything. It gives us a, a way of really making a difference. And we have all the research that says that it does make a difference. And so we understand attachment, we understand love. But I think the other thing is, we really do know how to deal with the most important thing in the room, the most powerful thing in the room, which is people's emotions. Yes, that's true. I think that's exactly what impressed me was how much research has gone into it. What makes it hard for couples to be emotionally honest with each other, in your opinion? (laughs) Well, First of all, it's hard to be honest when you don't even know what's happening to you. <laughs> That's true. Um, sometimes people, I say, what's happening to you to somebody? And they say, I don't know. <laughs> or, you know, they, I, or, or I don't know why I'm so angry. Or I don't know what I need here. You know, I just know that this doesn't feel good. So people often need a bit of help putting their emotions together. But the other thing is that 
what we've really understood in relationships is that just because they matter so much, because we're wired for them, because um, we need this emotional connection with other people so much, that um, it becomes people, it becomes scary to really open up, reach for your partner, and expose your softer feelings. You yes. know, we're all scared of rejection and abandonment, and that's not because we're wimps or immature. It's because we're bonding mammals and our brains are wired to see cues of abandonment and rejection from the people we care about as danger cues. So, you know, we understand how hard it is for people to really come out and be authentic in relationships. And also, many, many people have never seen that. They, they don't even know that this kind of dance is possible, that it exists, let alone how to move into it. So, so we show them that. We create a lot of safety and we show them that. Yes, I think that's absolutely right. Many people describe their relationship problems as communication problems. What are your thoughts about that? I think that's the most frequent thing people arrive saying. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, it's true. It's the way that they have of describing it. But, you know, it's kind of a huge label. It doesn't really help anybody very much. Yeah, that's and right. What we've done in the field is... We've taken that literally and decided to teach people communication skills when all the research says that even if they learn them in your sessions, it doesn't change their satisfaction in the relationship and it doesn't change um, how you are in moments that really matter when you're scaring your partner or you're scared and you're both turning into the enemy. So, yes, it's a communication, but what is the communication that really matters? Uh, what we know from all our research and from all the research on adult attachment, um, which is really changing how we see love relationships right now, it's only been going for about the last 15 years. What we know is that the interactions that matter most in a relationship is when someone calls and wants the other person to come close, comfort them, help them, support them, listen to them, validate them. And the, their message isn't heard, but the other person doesn't know how to respond, doesn't know how to give this support that we all need so much. And, you know, everything starts to go wrong from there. I call, you don't come. I call louder. I get meaner. I say, where the hell are you? You here. I'm yeah. criticizing. You shut down and move away. The more you move away, the more I yell. And this is a classic couples fight. And most couples say, just teach us some communication skills and we'll stop this happening. And it doesn't, actually. It, you have to help people see the dance they're caught in, understand the music they play to their partner, understand their needs. You know, it's a bit deeper than just learning some, some communication skills. Absolutely. What are three ways my audience can help their own relationships to last over time? <laughs> um, okay, well, I'll be honest. Um, they can read my book, Hold Me Tight. They yes. can, uh, at this point, they could even, because we've just finished it and put it up, they could even go to Hold Me Tight online and do our Hold Me Tight online 
course that we you can do with your partner in your own home. Oh, how nice. Yes, we've just put this up and people are really, really liking it. It's, it's good. I think it's pretty unique. They can, um, what, apart from that, you know, um, and which is a lot, you know, in, in my books, you understand a lot about love. You understand a lot about your own emotions. I think the key thing is that couples really have no idea what impact they have on each other. They really, just because you love somebody and depend on them, it means basically that they have the ability to completely terrify you. If they're going to reject you and abandon you, your mammalian bonding brain is freaked out by that. And just for couples to get that, even when they feel their partner doesn't care or they feel alone and helpless, that, you know, the, the dance they're caught in with their partner, they're having a huge impact on their partner. We're all wired to be massively, massively sensitive to cues of rejection and abandonment. So partners have a huge impact on each other. That's absolutely right. I, yes, for sure. What is the impact of expectations on a relationship from your point of view? Um. Expectations are very important. And what we talk about in attachment science is that we all come into relationships with expectations from past relationships. You yes. know, we we so if you have experienced in your family that if you feel um the need of comfort, the need of caring, the need of reassurance, that it's absolutely suicidal to put that out. And that the best thing to do when you feel this way, when you feel vulnerable, is to shut down and shut people out. I mean, that's what you naturally do. And you expect that um, this is the only thing that works and people can't be trusted and they really don't care about your feelings and your feelings are pretty dangerous because they never lead anywhere. So you walk into a new relationship with those kinds of expectations. It's very difficult. That being said, we are such bonding animals. <laughs> this program is wired into our brain. We are such bonding animals that the fact of the matter is that even if you have all kinds of negative expectations and strategies for all kinds of good reasons, um, we long for connection with other people. We long for it so much that we, we will take risks. And the evidence is that even with negative expectations, Lots of folks do, in fact, learn how to connect, how to risk, how to reach, how to respond to each other. And lots of folks do. You know, we focus on when love fails. We don't look at the times when all the cliches that they talk about that love, you know, changes the world and it grows you and it helps you deal with the world and it helps you feel good about yourself. We don't look at the times that happens. And the research says that that happens, that happens, that happens quite a bit. We just don't pay attention to that. So you can have good experiences with a partner, find your way through those expectations, and, you know, you can sort of change those expectations. The point is, your partner has to be with you in that. You have to help each other with that one. And we haven't taught couples at all how to help each other. I mean, you know, uh, people always say, oh, isn't, doesn't it depress you 
that the divorce rate, actually divorce rate has been going down over the last few years. It's not 50% anymore. But and in Canada, it's where I live, it's only about 37%. For, oh, wow. For um, first marriages. But people say, doesn't this depress you? And I say, no, not at all. It's marriage has changed. We need a lot more connection with our partner than when we all used to live in little villages and stay with the people we grew up with. Um, uh, we demand a lot from marriage and we haven't understood it. We haven't helped people. We haven't educated people. We haven't helped people at all. Most people haven't seen um, that their parents haven't modeled for them the kind of loving, secure bond that we all need. So it's actually miraculous <laughs> that over 50% of us hang in anyway and work at it and stay committed and try to make it work. And when it doesn't work, we turn around and try it again. So, you know, it doesn't depress me at all. <laughs> what is important for rebuilding trust after someone disappoints their partner in an unforgettable way? What is important is um, that you that you recognize the injury that you have inflicted. And that's hard for all of us. None of us like to say, yes, I did this. Um, yes, I've hurt you. Um, you know, we, we want to fudge it. We want to say, oh, well, it really wasn't my fault. Or if you hadn't done that, or that's all those right. things. Yeah, qualifiers, um, yes. Yeah, you have to take responsibility for hurting the person you love. And you have to face that and validate that they have the right to be hurt. That's a biggie. And then you have to be willing to stay with them in that emotional conversation where you can help listen to the, how you've hurt them. And um, this time, you can respond to them and comfort them and stay there and um, make a real apology in, in my book, Hold Me Tight, I think I list about 10 apologies that don't work. We're, we're very good at all those. We say, <laughs> well, I'm sorry, but, you know. Um, <laughs> yes, and but. In, in our research, where we've helped all kinds of couples heal all kinds of injuries, um, you know, in our research, what we see is that there's really only one kind of apology that works. And that's for you to listen to your partner's pain to take responsibility and then for them to tell you they're hurt and this time in a kind of corrective way in a corrective emotional dance for you to for them to look into your face and for them to see that you feel their pain you're tuning into it you care about it and for you to turn and say i'm so sorry i hurt you in a real heartfelt sincere engaged way that works, but most of us don't go there. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I always added a second step in the amends process with my clients in recovery uh, through Alcoholics Anonymous. And I say, it's not enough to make amends. You have to follow it up with a question. What was the worst part of my alcoholism for you? Yes. And then listen carefully. And yes. you know, yeah, so that's my own little personal addition. But I, I agree. And I love the amends process with AA. Um, it made me think about how important that is. And I agree with you. You what, have to recognize the pain you've inflicted. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. 
without qualifying. Yes. What, What insights do you have about the ongoing power struggles in relationships? Oh, in EFT, we don't really get stuck in those. Um, you know, what you can't trust, you, you, contr- you try to control. Uh, what we find is that when people start learning to, um, that they can keep their emotional balance, that they can understand and deal with their softer feelings, their fears and needs, and they start to be able to have these close conversations, they become a we. They realize how much they, they impact each other. You know, it's no longer I'm the who's top dog and who's underdog. It's like, how are we going to dance together? So power struggles just kind of dissolve. You know, mostly in relationships, power struggles are all about fear. There's a threat. Yeah, you know, right. I need to control you because I'm so terrified that if I don't control you, you'll leave me, you'll abandon me, I'll be helpless. You know, it's, it's quite interesting. I was reading a, a great book by a woman called McLean on uh, love and ruin. It's about Hemingway and his second wife, who was a Martha, who was a war correspondent. You can really see in the story how, you know, Hemingway, basically, he wants to be in control. And he wants to be in control because he's actually so terrified of not having this lady with him all the time. And of her saying, I need to go away and go and report on this war. He's so terrified. And the more terrified he gets, the more controlling he becomes. So you could look at that and say they're in a power struggle. I would say um, they're in an attachment dance where they're constantly disconnecting from each other and terrifying each other. It's just kind of how you look at it. I, li- I like that, that shift in how you think about it. I, I think that's really helpful. I think that working with couples is elegant because it requires challenge and support of both partners. Yes. And, and not everybody is good at it. What's important besides finding an EFT therapist? What <laughs> is important for people to look for uh, and, to, and to find someone that they can trust? What would you say? I think you need to look at this person's qualifications. There's lots of folks, you know, couple therapy, the demand for it has gone through the roof. Yes. And the research says that about 70% of mental health professionals now say they see couples. Mm -hmm. Uh, Most of those folks, unfortunately, have no training whatsoever. Yeah. They're well-meaning people who actually think that all they've got to do is sit down and chat to a couple and they can help. That's not true. Helping in a love relationship requires special knowledge and training. So you should look for this person's training and you should ask them if the model they're using has got research on it. You should ask them, how many outcome studies does it have? And if they say, oh, it doesn't matter about outcome studies. I really, I mean, would you go to a doctor if the doctor said to you, have this rather strange drug that takes quite a long time to work and is quite expensive uh i want you to just take it and if you said well has there been any research on it they said oh don't worry about that just take it because i said so you'd get up and leave that's right people don't know that there is a science of love there is good um stuff out there on relationships and that there are people who are trained and that they have the right to ask their therapist, what sort of knowledge and training do you have and what model are you using and why? Does it have any research? 
you know, we're, we're, we haven't got used to that. Many of us don't even ask our doctors about that when the doctor puts us on some sort of medication. But we certainly haven't got used to that with mental health professionals. And it matters. You know, we're putting our relationships and our lives in this person's hands. You need to know how capable those hands are. And the other thing to do is listen to your gut and decide whether you feel really safe with this person. Yeah. And if you feel blamed or put down or like they don't understand, quit. Find somebody else. Yeah. I'm always telling people to give more than one person a chance. You know, if if you're not feeling, you can be authentic and connected. I think that's really important. Right. What are some of the ways couples get into trouble? And do you have a story to illustrate? Oh, well, um, couples naturally get into trouble because they don't understand or know how to talk about their fears and their needs. They don't understand how to reach for each other. And they get caught in really negative dances, um, like the classic one. You know, it's if you like, I don't have a story. It's the story. Um, You see it all the time. They get caught in, you know, um, John turns to Mary Lee and he says, "Um, you'll never talk to me. We have these fights and you don't talk to me. And you go in your room and you stay there for two days and you're impossible. And, you know, your whole family's like this and I don't know how I'm supposed to live with it. So he pushes and blames and he's really protesting. He's really saying, where are you? Where are you? How come you don't respond to me? But he doesn't say that. He says he gets frustrated. So he says, what's wrong with you? Yeah, Mary Lee, who's much less articulate with her emotions than John is. Mary Lee, when I ask her what happens to her when this goes on, she says, I just get panicked. Uh, My heart rate goes up. I don't know what to say. I feel overwhelmed. So I shut down and I shut down. And when she shuts down, she shuts him out. So she withdraws. The more she withdraws, the more frustrated and lonely he feels, the more he pushes and tells her and protests and criticizes. The more he criticizes, the more she withdraws. And they're stuck. Yeah. They're totally stuck. And we see that in therapy, but we even see that in the hold me tight groups we run because there's hold me tight groups in lots of communities all over the US, all over the world, actually, as well as you can do the program online. We see people They recognize this dance they're stuck in. But until somebody helps them really see the dance, um, that kind of dance of sort of demand and withdraw just takes over your relationship and it ends up, there's no safety, there's no connection. People are desperately unhappy. They don't know what to do about it. And gradually, they start to lose their trust and the other person becomes the enemy. Our experience is that in the last 20 years, we have really understood so much about love relationships. And in EFT, we have really understood this drama. So we know how to go in and work with that. But if you don't, you don't even see the drama. You you see your partner. People say, um, well, she's just impossible or he's just difficult. They don't say, oh, we are caught in this dreadful dance, that it's too hard for them to see it, but we help them see it. And that makes a big difference. 
Why does spending your time helping people figure out and repair their relationships important to you? (laughs) And that's my last question. Uh, Because it's the most important thing in the world. That's what I think. Because your quality of your intimate relationship um, really determines your health and happiness much more than anything else in your life because it's fascinating. Um, I grew up in an English pub as a child watching people interact. I love the dramas between people. I find them fast. What is more interesting than the dramas that go on between people and all this emotion whizzing backwards and forward. Um, and also because it's totally uh, enthralling to keep learning. And we're learning every, you know, every research project we do. We just did a, a huge program for the Heart Institute in way back in Ontario, where I used to live, where we're helping uh, couples where one person's had a heart attack. And we're showing that not only can you change the relationship, you can change this person's health so they're less likely to have another heart attack. This is enthralling, exciting, yes. fascinating. You know, it's, it's, um, it's fascinating. And we've spent all these years in civilized societies saying that love's a mystery, <laughs> and it isn't. And yes. that has to be fascinating. So I'm still fascinated by that. I still love working with couples. <laughs> this is the last episode for 2018. There are a thousand new podcasts a week. I'd like your help getting my show out to those who would benefit from it. What healthy couples know that you don't deserves to stand out from the pack. So share a link or the app with someone else and you have my heartfelt thanks. Enjoy the holidays and visit therapyideas.net For links to Susan's website, go out and buy her newest book, Love Sense, or sign up for her webinar. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to What Healthy Couples Know That You Don't. If you have enjoyed the show, please leave a rating and review on iTunes and help get the word out. To learn more or connect with Rhoda, visit therapyideas.net.